Uh, I'm very uh, blessed and thankful to be here. Uh, as a way of introduction this morning, I'd like to go to the the first, or well, the only chapter of the, the book of Philemon. Um, uh, and just to talk about uh, this uh, this one verse uh, in this book that just kind of um, kind of reached out to me. It just kind of stuck out to me. Uh, this is a this is a, an epistle that Paul had written uh, to a brother Philemon, who uh, just from reading this letter was a very uh, very dear brother to Paul, and uh, it meant a lot to not just to Paul but to the saints and the brothers that were uh, in this church. It says that there was a church in Philemon's house. Uh, so this was a very uh, a dear brother, and in the in the seventh verse, uh, and speaking about Philemon, uh, Paul says that for we have great joy and consolation in thy love, because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by the uh, brother. Well, I uh, I got a little curious as I normally do, and uh, I, I got to thinking really about that word uh, that word bowels. I, you know, like what does that actually mean? I'll tell myself a little bit. I first uh, read that word bowels as meaning bowls. I, I thought of it at first as just, you know, like a, like a bowl being refreshed like with water, which I guess in, in one sense that could be true. But uh, when I actually uh, got to really, you know, studying just that word bowels, um, that's actually referring um, to, the, to the inward parts, actually to the intestines, to the gut. And, and I got to thinking about, you know, the when you think about... Uh, where we feel all of our emotions and all of our um, affections or anxieties, uh, we don't really feel them, you know, more in our head or in our heart. You know, we feel them kind of in the, in the pit of our stomachs, in, in our guts, whenever there's something that's really uh, bothering us or upset. It's kind of interesting to think about how, how we feel all that in, in, our, in our stomach, in our guts. Uh, I mean, I can recall a time where, you know, I was... You know, you, you feel so anxious about something that uh, you feel in your stomach and you can't even eat. You don't even feel like eating because you're, you're so upset. And, uh, and, and Paul says that the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee. You know, if you think about, uh, if you think about the intestines, it's, uh, you think about um, whenever you consume something, um, the, the nutrients and the things that you get from it. We get all those from our intestines. Whenever you consume something, you get it. You get all the nutrients from it whenever it goes through your intestines. And I think that is true. Uh, I think that is true spiritually here. That whenever you know, <laughs> if we're feeling you know anxious or anxiety or anything in our stomachs, that uh, there is a great refreshing that we can feel Amen. by the Holy Spirit. That's right. And sometimes, just like in this case with a brother Philemon. We can convey that to, to other people. And in doing so, that is a, a way that we are being Christ-like and in in, in being touched. You know, with the, it says in the second chapter of Hebrews that uh, how Christ is touched by the infirmities of his people. And he is able to uh, succor or, or help them. Uh, and I think you know, that, that, that here, we also uh, should, should stress that. We should also should be, uh, <coughs> should, should be touched with the feelings and infirmities of our, of our own brothers and sisters in Christ to uh, try to refresh them. In, in the book of Colossians, uh, Paul also uses this phrase in the third chapter. It says in the, <laughs> in the 12th verse, he says, Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another if any man have a quarrel against any. 
even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things put on charity, which is the bond of, of perfectness. I think it's a <laughs> interesting how he, he starts that off with to put on vows of vows of mercy. Um, and I looked up uh, John Gill's commentary on that verse, and I like what he said that vows of mercy he he took to mean as putting on a as having a a spirit of being. Um, a spirit of being uh, feeling comfort towards a, a brother or sister, you know, weeping with them that weep, uh, feeling you know, suffering with them that suffer, you know, trying to uh, trying to kind of under trying to kind of understand you know what a brother and sister Christ uh, what they're going through, and try to uh, put on show the and show these stuff. I believe in showing these things to them that uh, we can kind of also refresh them and refresh their spirit. You know. I, of showing, you know, it, it's kind of, it, you know, if you think about kindness, you know, a lot of times, you know, we just pass somebody on the street that we don't really know what that person has been going through or what kind of right. day that they've been having. Um, and, you know, sometimes I, you know, people always like to say, if you show a little kindness to somebody, it kind of goes a long way. Yes. And I think that is, uh, that is also, and I think that is, that is true in this case as well. Um, you know that, that when we come across other saints, that we show uh, that we show kindness to them, that we sh- that we try to uh, have vows of mercy to understand what it is they might be going through, mm-hmm. and in doing so, we can we can refresh them to have a humbleness of mind. You know, not to think that that we are above that we are above them, but to kind of put ourselves uh, where that in the state that they are. You know, you think of just like as, as Christ, who is the the humblest of all men who thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but, uh, put on the form of man. He came down here and humbled himself to be a servant. And uh, we are called also to, to do the same. And it says in uh, meekness and in long-suffering. The long-suffering can be, uh, it can be pretty hard. To you know, that's, that's referring to patience. And uh, that, that's something I find myself not to have a lot of patience in. But in, in here, Paul is Paul calls us to to be long-suffering towards others, to be long-suffering towards people. <laughs> and in doing so, you know, just as uh, Christ was long-suffering towards us and still is, I, and I'm thankful for that. Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also uh, do ye. Uh, now that is, a, that is a big one that I still struggle with to this day. You know, it's tough to... We can forgive. We can forgive people, but you know we always like to say, "But I can't forget." But that would not be true forgiveness. And here Paul says that uh, to forbear one another, to forgive one another. And if any man have a quarrel against any, you know, and I, <laughs> and in doing so, we can be just as, as Christ was. How He forgave us, even in our in our lowest of lows. And above all these things, putting on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. I like that he ended with that because charity, you know, meaning meaning love. You know, if we show all these, if we show all these things to someone, and and and, all, and above all, showing love to someone, we can also not just, I believe, refresh our spirit, refresh our and refresh our own bowels and mercy within us. But I believe that that is also how we show um, we show other people and refresh them and refresh and refresh others. Thank you. One of those strange words in the Bible that, that you don't hear people speaking of much anymore. Uh, 
brother Cole got it right. He talks to the inward parts of man. And that is where the Spirit of God dwells, you know. He's, he's called the actual, the inward man. Um, and he stirs the inward parts. There is a, <clears throat> there is a hidden man uh, in every child of God. That the only way he's ever exposed is how you display it. Other than that, he, he stays hidden, which is not the intent and design of the light to be put on the candlestick. And one of that way those, that light is shown is when you show vows of, of mercy and compassion toward others. Uh, and, and certainly, you know, there's a, <clears throat> there's a common affliction that every, every one of the Lord's people uh, have to deal with. And, you know, uh, the Apostle Paul said, there is no temptation that is overtaking you but such as is common to men. So don't ever think that what you're feeling and, 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 and what you feel like the devil is tempting you or you've got a strong desire of the flesh to do something that's contrary to the will of God, that that's particular to you. There's others that can help you with that who, who deal with the same thing. Uh, and, and, uh, and, and so to, to show that kind of kindness to others is a reflection of knowing within yourselves you, you are just as prone to fall. And we all, every one of God's children are prone to fall. Now we shouldn't fall, and we don't have to fall, but we're prone to fall. Uh, and it's a common affliction to all of us. So the strength we gather you know, from one another comes from the same spirit that dwells within those bowels of, of mercy and kindness, those inward uh, feelings that, that Brother Cole was speaking of. That certainly does refresh. And when somebody's refreshed, they're they're a little bit ready for the race, aren't they? It's like getting a good drink of water on a as you're as you're running, and somebody's there giving you a, a good drink of water as you're getting tired. Next thing you know, you got your second wind and feel better. Uh, and uh, that's that's kind of the way a Christian race is. So, um, <clears throat> so I have not uh, changed from the 107th Psalm. Let's go back to Psalms 107. Um, in the 43rd verse, again, it says, Whoso is wise and will observe these things, even they shall understand the loving kindness of the Lord. And we spoke of the first uh, uh, nine verses last Sunday. Uh, the very foundation of those things was the mercies of God, the very thing that, that Paul talked about having bowels of mercy. And considering the mercies of God is the catalyst of of how we react to God. And to understand the loving kindness of God, you must understand His mercies. We talked about that last week. I don't mean to, I'm not going to rehash a lot of things. I just want to refresh. And that it is the redeemed of the Lord. These are people God has removed for Himself. A people God has formed for His praise. Uh, and, a, and any certain person that is a chosen vessel of God's mercy that he had fore prepared unto glory sometime in their life. And not of their own choosing. But it's a time, it's called a time of love. Or a uh, due time. Paul says we testified in due time. From the time they are conceived in the womb of their mother to the time that they die. Anywhere in that span, God calls them with a heavenly, a high, and a holy calling. All three are mentioned in the Bible. That is called the new birth. They are then stricken by the Spirit of God. Uh, they are brought to a sense of their sins and iniquities. They are open unto them because now there's light to shine in darkness. 
they feel like the world is a wilderness, and they wander in the world differently than what they used to. Children of God love sin just as much as anybody else until God comes in and brings the whole new nature. Doesn't take away the old one, but only contradicts it with a new one. So as to stand up against the sinner and says, wait a minute, you're mine, and this is what I expect of you now. And this is what you are, and I am who you need. Now, the wilderness of the world is a, <laughs> is a you know, it's, it's pretty tough to get around in. So God gives them what? A city of habitation, the church. This is a picture of the, of the gospel church. A place that those that God has dealt with in this way, the redeemed of the Lord, they go to a city of habitation. They can meet together, pouring out bowels of mercies on one another, having a common feeling. It is common to all God's children, though some God's children don't know how they have it and why they got it. But it's because of, their, it's because of the mercies of God. So you say affliction is a mercy? It is in this case. Yes, it is. Affliction, in the initial sense of that, when God invades the individual, not at their consent, but his own power, that affliction that is brought to that individual is an act of mercy and a display of it. And then he gives them a place of comfort. So David would say, Lord, I have loved the house of thy habitation, the place where thy honor dwelleth. That is letting the redeemed of the Lord say so. David loved the place that God was worshipped in. Some of his fondest memories he speaks of in one of the Psalms was keeping the holy day with the multitudes that went up Zion's hill. You know, that, that's a... You can imagine the picture of this great group of people going up to the, to, to the top of this hill, to this place, that, uh, the, the, the tabernacle then, to where, uh, where, the, uh, where the Lord was worshipped, and more particularly in the time of Solomon after the temple was built. But all of these memories that David had was about the house of God. I've loved the house of thy habitation, the place where thy honor dwelt. And this is, uh, the church is a place where God's honor dwelt. It's not, we don't come here to honor ourselves, I hope. You know, if we, if we are, you're, you're, we're, we're, uh, we're certainly here for the wrong reasons. Uh, God is honored in his house and is meant to be. And the redeemed of the Lord ought to say so, so much as the writer would say, Oh, that men, sinners, corrupt, enemies to God by nature, oh, that men would praise God for his wonderful works unto the children of men. So that's, that, that, that's the... Uh, that's, that's kind of the, 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 the last part of each one of these segments, and we're going to go to another segment now. Now, I want you to understand that we're still talking about the loving kindness of God. The theme hasn't changed. The theme will not change. It is the same throughout this, this psalm. Now, I want to encourage you not to look into this something that sinners will sometimes do. And I'm talking about, when, when I say this, I'm talking about the redeemed of the Lord are still sinners. They're only saved sinners which is different. There are sinners that will bear their, the, the, the judgments of God uh, later on, but that is not the case with the redeemed of the Lord. That is not the case with those that Christ died for. Not, a, not, not the case with the elect of God. So let's, 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 let's remember that. All right. <clears throat> but let, this, let us not think, when we, when we read these scriptures, that what we're going to read is an encouragement to sin. 
Now, we can go to a lot of places that contradict such a thought as that. <clears throat> but I do want to point this out. I want to show you something that, that most doctrines and beliefs would condemn somebody and make them have them fall from the eternal grace of God and plunge them into the, the very pits of torment for all eternity. That is not the case with the redeemed of the Lord, is it? Jesus Christ says, I'll lose none. I'll raise him up again the last day. <clears throat> now, but part of the loving kindness of God is how God deals with us in this life. And there, this, this is a part of the loving kindness that most people do not like to teach as a part of that. They, they would teach it as something, as, as, a, as a possibility of, uh, of being in the grace of God today and again in the very pits of his torment tomorrow. And if you die in that state, woe be unto you, though he loved you so much. Doesn't make sense. The reason why is because it's not true. <clears throat> now, so after, and the, let's, let's go in order. Remember, the order, the first order of things is God's mercy, is the redeemed of the Lord, is him calling us out. We're walking in the wilderness and gives us a church. Comforts us in the church with the very glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Then in the ninth verse we'll read, For he satisfied the longing soul, he filleth the hunger soul with goodness, right there in that city of habitation. And then the theme changes. Such as sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, being bound in affliction and iron. And I am always, always uh, amazed how God will not hide from us, but reveal to us the problem. And the problem is never God. The problem is never God. The problem always falls back on the sinner. Now we, we find why they're in darkness. Why is somebody in darkness? Why do they feel bound with the fetters of iron? Why are they in shadows? Because they rebelled. Because they rebelled against the words of God. They condemned the counsel of the Most High. Now, I wrote the definitions of the word rebel and the definition of the word contempt. All right. This is the definition of the word rebel. It is an open and avowed renunciation of the authority of the government to which somebody owes allegiance to. Now, the government of this kingdom was placed upon the shoulders of Jesus Christ. Remember that in Isaiah. There is an open and avowed renunciation. As if to say, now, now rebellion is serious. As if to say, God does not have authority over me. And we're still talking about the redeemed of the Lord. And it's a renunciation of the authority of the government to which one owes an allegiance to. To resist the authority of that government. There's your definition of rebel. The word contemned means to slight, to neglect as unworthy of regard, to reject. As if to say, you know, God just isn't worthy of my time and efforts. God's not worthy of my, of my, uh, of my life, of my obedience. 
Now, most folks do that would never outwardly and with a voice say, that's how I feel about God. But most of the time, we don't have to say how we feel about God. It shows in our actions, don't it? So Jesus Christ would say, He that hath my words and keepeth them, the same is that loves me. Now notice here, God says they rebelled against the words of God. They rebelled. They contemned the counsel, the counsel of Christ. As Christ does give counsel. You know, there is a great counsel over in the book of Revelation, the fourth chapter, that, that Christ gives a whole church, or at least, at least enough of that church that, that this had kind of spread within and, 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 the, and, the, uh, and, and, and during that council, the Lord Jesus Christ says, I, I know your works. I know all about you. And I know that ye say, ye have need of nothing. But that you're rich. You have all that you need in this life. You're, you're, you're rich. You're, you know, your life's filled up with good things and you don't have need of anything. As if to say, I contempt, I neglect, I slight, and have no regard to my Savior. Which is dangerous. And the church was in that danger, to which Christ would spew them out of his mouth. Now, I counsel thee, well, first of all, he says, and thou dost not know that you're miserable. Now, when a man does not know he's miserable, that's pretty serious. You know, that, that's... That's, a, that's an indication that, that you know, that, that maybe we're in, a, we're in some kind of a, of a fix when, a, when you don't even know you're miserable. It's a darkness. Thou knowest not that thou art miserable, that thou art poor, that thou art blind, that thou art wretched, that word's in there, and that thou art naked. I counsel thee, this is the counsel of Christ, to buy of me, says Christ, gold that is tried in the fire, white raiment that thy nakedness may be covered, and I said that thou mayest see. And then he says something in particular to every child of God, everyone that is redeemed of God, who falls under this category as thinking that it is okay to rebel or as rebel. Not from some, again, this is not a mess up. This is not something that, that somebody call, is called in a sin, a child of God who's, who's normally, you know, very obedient, very, very well, uh, an obedient child of God, and through, through some de deficiency and, and lust, they get called up into something, do something to which they regret, and their, their guilt brings them down. Their shame brings them down, and they immediately repent, and they never do that again. This is somebody who avows, who purposely and, and, and particularly rebels against God. So Jesus Christ would say to an individual that is redeemed of the Lord, as many as I love, and that's it, as many as I love, I rebuke and I chasten. But he doesn't stop there. So that the sinner can't say, well, as long as I'm, you know, I feel the, 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 the rod of correction, and that's good enough for me. I feel it so I can go on now and continue in this sin with no worries about it whatsoever. He says, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. 
Be zealous and repent. Be zealous and repent. You change from your way. You change from rebellion. You change from contempt. You change from thinking that the, the government of God has no dominion over you, that my words are, 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 uh, are uh, very unworthy for your attention. Now, again, most, most of God's children would never out loud say something like that, that, that I, I, you know, I just don't think God has that kind of power over me, and I'm, I'm not going to yield to Him. But it, but it shows in our actions, and listen, I've lived that action before. This is something I know by experience. This scripture that I'm reading to you right here is a scripture of experience for me. And I hope nobody else goes through it. Because when you know to do something that's right, and you choose not to do it, do not think you're going to get by with it if you're a child of God. Now, there are many times that, that, uh, that God's children will will catch themselves in thought, straying on a thought that they know is impure, that is not right. There are times when God's children's eyes are looking at something that they should not be looking at, and they realize, this is wrong, and they turn their head. Every one of us can be tempted and drawn in to a desire. Every one of us can be tempted with the love of money, with the lust of an individual, with pride, with a lot of things. Everything that's contrary to God, every one of us can be tempted with, and every one of God's children will have those, those kind of afflictions that, that you're going to have to fight against. But again, this is a willful choice. I've made it before. Didn't turn out good. Did not turn out good. All right? Now what does God do? Does he sit there and say, poor, poor Lofton, I really feel sorry for him. Because he didn't know if to do good and do if it not, do if it not to him, it is sin. It is, it is almost like a, it, it is, it's not almost like it, it's like you're fighting against God and, and you're not going to win. You're not going to win. All right. <clears throat> now, because they rebelled against the words, that's the reason they sit in darkness and condemned the counsel of the Most High. Therefore he, that is God himself, brought down their heart with labor. Well, they might not have lost their job. They may still be married. Notice where God goes. Notice where God goes and what God brings down is the heart. And it is with deep labor. As if to say, as if the sinner is like, why? Listen, being a repeated, a repeat offender... Uh, it, it's like somebody who, uh, who has a habit of driving way too fast. you got a habit of driving way too fast, and the time you get your, your 20th ticket and you've paid out $3,000, you, you feel like you're going to say, i got to quit. It's costing me money. It's costing me I'm going to quit what I'm doing. It's costing me money. Uh, I, <laughs> I know, I know uh, there's a good brother in the church. That uh, he has a heavy foot, and it's cost him. He wound up somewhere he shouldn't. He didn't. He should not have been. He, that, but he's a good brother, but his heavy foot, so it cost him money. So repeated offenders, you know, 
When God brings the heart down, when God goes in and, 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 and there is a hiding of his presence, y'all. Now, to say that that's not important is, is sliding God. As if to say, you can take yourself away from me, but just don't remove anything else from me. I don't mind you not feeling your presence. I'm still going to believe in sovereign grace. I'm an old Baptist. I'm an old Baptist. I'm going to believe in sovereign grace, and I'm not going to worry about my salvation. Yes, you will. If God deals with you like this, I guarantee you will worry about something in you and who you are and what you are. There is something. I'm not saying that you ought to fear eternal ruin. I'm saying you ought to fear God and worry about a salvation that you are missing. That you, that, that you have slighted God. And you, don't, you say, I don't feel this presence. I don't feel, you know, that, that is something that's that's vital. It is vital to this church. It is vital to your soul. It's not optional. It's vital. You have to have fellowship with Jesus Christ. And the Bible tells us how to do it. And it is, it is not through rebellion and contempt for God. It's not through that means. Now, there are good people in the Bible who have dealt and had dealt this way with God. There are, listen, there, there are, there are these folks and, and what, and the, listen, the, the examples that they have set in this area should not be followed. But there are things that, that people do in the Bible that you can mimic your life after because they mimic it after Christ. And Paul said, follow me as long as I follow Christ. Right? Now, we're dealing with the redeemed of the Lord Christ says, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten, even the feeling that you don't have any need of him. Is that rebellion? Yes, it is. You say, I don't, I don't think it is. It is because that's not how you're supposed to treat God. That God does not have the authority over you or me. Uh, there's a lot of ways to rebel and, and to contemn the Most High and to contemn his counsel and say, I slight thee. You know, it's just not that important to me. The house of habitation, my, my walk, the way that I talk, the jokes that I say, how I live. If I want to look at a little pornography once in a while, then, you know, God's going to overlook that. No, he won't. He will not. And if you're a child of God, don't let anybody deceive you. And it may be somebody close to you in your family who says, to look is different than touching and there's a, you know, and listen, there is a little difference in it. And to tell you, it's okay to look and just, you know, kick your heels up a little bit and, and, and get out and enjoy some sin. Don't be deceived by that person. It could be a good friend of yours. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. And I have to catch myself saying things sometimes. Is what I'm saying to somebody? Does it lead them to a worse life, to a, to a more rebellious life in God, or does it lead them to a better life in God? So, so our words matter. God says concerning the words, His words, you slighted them, you think I have no authority. Now, remember, and this is the strange part, this is a loving kindness of God. And when somebody is under this affliction, it doesn't feel like a loving kindness, does it? 
If you don't know what this feels like, and the reason you don't know what this feels like is because you have not rebelled against God, thank God for it. Continue on in that. Do not rebel. Do not contempt. Do not cast His words out as nothing, as they don't fit you. And they, they definitely, you know, in the year 2022, they are old and outdated words, old and outdated commandments. Don't God know who I am today? Who we are? I mean, we sang the song, God lived in the olden times, it's just the same day. That song's right. That song is right. <laughs> he hasn't changed. All right. If this has never been your case, for the reason of you've never rebelled and contempt the word of God, you thank God that you have never been brought under this because you don't have to go through this. You understand? You can recover, or not, not recover, that, that would denote that you're going through it. You can avoid rebelling against God. You don't have to do it. This is not a scripture that says you have to do this because you're a child of God. Everybody needs to go through this a little while. You don't. Avoid it. Okay? Avoid it. But if you have, if you've done things you know that are wrong, and then God brings you down in your heart, that God brings down the heart with labor, so that the sinner now struggles and says, why? Why did I do that again? Why am I thus? Why am I so weak? Why? 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 And, and that you feel like you have no strength. You feel like you have no power to overcome the enemy. You feel like you're just destitute. And you have no help of God almost. It's almost like you're just left to yourself wallowing in your own misery. You could have avoided it. You could have. I could have avoided mine. I could have. My choices brought about my consequences. And God will deal with us as with children. But it doesn't feel good. So, so the Apostle Paul talks about it in, in the book of Hebrews, all right? Let's go to Hebrews chapter 12. The Apostle Paul speaks of this same thing that Christ talked to about in the, in the book of uh, Revelations to the church of Laodicea. Now, Paul says this in the uh, 12th chapter of the, of the book of Hebrews. <clears throat> yeah, uh, in, uh, in the 5th verse, And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. Notice again, this is speaking as unto children. This is not to the wicked. All right? My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord. So there is now a possibility of us despising this chastening because of our rebellion. That is, it could lead to a worse thing if we do not repent. Remember what Jesus says, be zealous, you repent of this sin. You stop it. You stop it now. Be zealous and repent. Don't despise the rod of correction. It's there for a reason. That's what Paul is saying. Do not despise it. Nor faint. Don't give up and say, this is just too much. I can't go through this anymore. I'm quitting religion. I'm quitting the church. I'm going to quit everything. You know, I'm just going to live and not worry about anything whatsoever. That is not a good option for you. Not a good option at all. You will find yourself in such a miserable condition in this life if you do not fight your own sins, your own rebellion, your own proneness 
and repent of God, repent to God of your sins. Alright. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, now this is a place of identity. If you endure this, if, if you have ever felt this, it is God dealing with you as with sons or daughters. Alright? For what son is he whom the Father doth not chasten? What person that does the same things that you do and seem to get by just fine? What person that, that, that can sin and do everything and, 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 and laugh and scoff at it, have no problem with it whatsoever? They are never afflicted by the rod of correction. Paul says, what son is he whom the Lord chasteneth not? And he's simply long-suffering that, that, that person. Now listen, we understand that his time of love may not yet be, that individual. We understand that it may be later in life when God quickens him. And then if he does it, it's going to be different. But now if he does this all his life, or she, and never has any problem with it, never feels any rods, never feels any, any stripes, and all their life they've never been brought down, then their judgment's later. But God's children's judgment is here in this, in this life. If you are without chastisement, Paul says, then you're a bastard. Illegitimate. Not really. You're not sons. Because all of them are partakers of God's rod of correction. Furthermore, we had fathers, and this is the repentance part. Furthermore, we had fathers of our flesh which corrected us. I remember my daddy, Kendra knows. I don't know if daddy ever whooped Kendra or not. I'm kind of thinking he didn't. But she probably didn't need it as much as I did. But listen, when, when Daddy got on to us, it was something serious because Mama normally took care of the, the, the discipline during the day. And it's kind of way with my, with my kids. And they'll tell you, if Daddy had to come home and, and handle something, it was something bad because Ginger took care of it during the day. When I got home, my house was a happy place, usually. <laughs> the kids were already corrected. All right. <clears throat> but as a father... As a father, I, you listen, when, when, when daddy got a hold of me and I, that big old hand of his, he sling that thing at you and it was, it was rough. It was rough. Daddy did not need a belt. It, his hands were, were big enough to take care of that. And you give them reverence. You wind up crying. <laughs> you wind up just sobbing and can't talk. And then you want to go hug them after a little bit. I'm sorry, daddy. I'm sorry. Sorry, mom. We give this kind of reverence to our Father on this earth because He's our Father. Paul's saying if you give that kind of reverence that you change, that you stop what you're doing, because it's not very smart for me to go right back and do the same thing that brought the wrath of Kenneth Lawson down upon me in the big hand across my backside. That wouldn't be very smart. I'm not saying I'm smart. Sometimes I might have, might have done things that I got too old for. But you eventually learn Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? Now that word and live means that there is something about life that you can rob yourself from if you do not yield the obedience to your Heavenly Father. I don't know what that is. It could be your natural life. Y'all, you realize that. I mean, there, there are instances in the Bible that, the, you know, the Son of God talked, uh, gave a parable about a, a certain rich man who's, who's uh, uh, 
who's filled constantly. He, were, he was blessed with just things after things and just got, got rich and wealthy, tore his barns down and built new barns. It says, soul, thou hast many things and treasures laid up for thee. Take thy ease now, soul, and eat and drink and be merry. And then the next clause, Jesus says, but God came to him that night and said, thou fool, thou fool, this night your soul is required. I'm taking you. Then he gives an indication as why. Thou fool, this soul is required of thee of this night. And then whose of these going to be? You going to enjoy them? No, you're not. So it is that a man, so it is to a man that lays up his treasures in this life. If your treasures are in this life, and that is what you drive at, and that is what you strive for, and that is what you're going to get. Notice what Jesus says. So is a man whose treasures are in this life and is not rich toward God. Being rich toward God yields greater rewards, greater treasures. And I'm not talking about earthly when I'm talking about the kind Osteen tells you about. Copeland can't, uh, he, he can't touch this with all of his, uh, uh, the, the monetary, you, you give, you, you send you know, $50 to, to, uh, to a preacher on television, I'll guarantee you you're going to have 5000 in the mail. It's going to come back to you 200-fold or 300-fold. This being rich toward God yields life, spiritual, happy, joyful, where there is no feelings and, and, the, and the rod of correction you're spared. Okay? Right? So to be a repeat offender would not be wise for any of us. Now, he does say this, <clears throat> that they chastened us for their pleasure, but God does it for, his, for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. There's a reason why. And he says, no chastening for the present seems to be joyous. And it's not. But it's rather grievous, Paul says. He admits to that. Nevertheless, afterwards, it yieldeth the peaceable fruits of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Listen to what he says. Wherefore, lift up the hands that hang down and the feeble knees. Then he says this, and make straight paths for your feet. Don't, get, don't turn off this road again. Remember how David says, Lord, thy, thy word is a light to my path and a lamp to my feet. Remember what David said in 107? God, God says to them that they have rebelled against my words. Now Paul's saying to somebody that God has chastened, you make straight paths for your feet. Because you know why? Somebody's watching you. That's why he says here, lest, some, lest that which is lame, lest there's some small a child of God in the church that, that, uh, that, that looks at you and, uh, and, and, um, and sees you doing something and almost like if you're not bothered by it, well, they might want to do it too. Even though it's sinful and corrupt, even though it's contrary to the word of God, then you've turned that which is lame out of the way. Paul says, don't do that. You, every one of us in here are an example to others. We're all examples to others. Whether you like it or not. But you are. I am. So we all have to be careful. So you, you, you make straight paths for your feet in the ways of God. Lest that which is lame be turned out of the way be turned out of the way because there's a lot of weakness in young people. Listen, the youth of today are stricken 
by a culture of absolute God, God, uh, godless teachings. And be careful what I was going to say there. Godless teachings. And if we promote godless teachings, all we're doing is leading our little uh, uh, lame children out of the way who struggle anyways. So you start in the church. You start in the house of God. You start, listen, all this begins in the house of habitation that God gave for His people on this earth. This, the, this is where, the, where God's honor and glory is. This is where a man, as, as, a, as Joshua said, if it is evil for you to serve the Lord, then you serve whom you will. In other words, if you don't think it's, 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 it's very worth your time to serve the Lord, you serve whom you will. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Every father that is a child of God ought to make sure his children are in the house of God. That's what Joshua said. We're going to serve God. You can't make your, your natural offspring a spiritual child of God. You can't do that. But you can't teach them. That going to the house of God is vital and important because one of these days they may be quickened by the Spirit of God and they're going to understand their need of this place, this place out here, the wilderness, but in, in the city of habitation. In the city of habitation, where God's honor dwelleth, is where you're going to live. Really, really, really live. Now, so the rod of correction, uh, uh, it happens, this, it, it happened to. Uh, the King David. Let's go to 2 Samuel uh, chapter 12. Now I want you to notice what God says to David. This does not seem to be very uh, pleasant words, and it's not. But remember, God, God reveals to us our problems, don't He? He doesn't hide them. He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't gloss over them. He says, it says, we rebel at my words. You contemned my counsel. Therefore, I'm bringing your heart down with labor. Is that an act of loving kindness? Yes, it is. We've, we've read about that in Revelation, and we read about that in Hebrews. Now let's go see it in action. All right. 2 Samuel chapter 12, after David committed adultery with a man's wife, because he was supposed to be out the battle of the kings. When that was a, it was a time of war for the kings, and, and here David was... Walking out and saw a woman bathing. He didn't turn his head. He sent his servant and said, bring her to me. And that night she lay with him. And she conceived. And she came and told David that she was a child. And David sent her husband through a letter to his captain, Joab. You make sure this man gets put on the hottest battle in that war. I don't want to see him alive again. And that's what he did. Now how do you think David, the king of Israel, could fall into such an a, 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 a awful state as that? I can tell you how. Because David is no different than you and I. David was a sinner. David needed, David should have been somewhere else. Isn't that right? There's a lot of times that we get in trouble because we should be somewhere else. And we should not be over here. Because there are places in this world, friends, that, that as, as Abraham 
told uh, uh, the uh, Philistine Abimelech, he said, why did you tell me Sarah was your sister? Why would you tell me that? You know, because God met me in a dream this night. You know what God said to me? God said, if thou layest thy hand on that woman, thou art but a dead man. You're going to die, buddy. <laughs> you're not, you're, I'm going to kill you this night in your sleep if you touch Sarah, because she is a chosen person to me. She's going to have a child, and that child is going to be with Abraham just later on down the road. You don't touch her. Abimelech got up said, Abraham, why did you do that? And Abraham told him, because I perceived that the fear of the Lord was not in this place. Now, sometimes our perception, like Abraham, I think that man feared the Lord after that, don't you? I mean, you, can, you can read about that. Abimelech was a different, he's like, listen, let's make a contract. Let's make a covenant with each other. You take my cattle, you take this, you know, you just go in peace, and thy God is the only God. I mean, that's, that was the result of, of that conversation. But sometimes the fear of the Lord is not in a place we ought not to be there. Sometimes where we should be would keep us out of trouble. And that was the case with David. Now, <clears throat> David is then met by, his, by the prophet Nathan. And let's start reading there. In the fifth verse, David's anger was kindled against that story, you know, the story of, of, the, of the lamb, you know, the, the little lamb that was taken. David didn't know what Nathan was talking about him. David's anger was kindled greatly against the man that, 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 that uh, Nathan was talking of. Then Nathan said to him, Thou art the man. As the Lord liveth, the man that hath done this thing shall surely die, said David, and he shall restore him for, uh, uh, a fourfold because he had no pity on him. Nathan said to David, Thou art the man. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about you. Now, you can imagine how low David's soul has his inwards, his bowels sank. Don't you know he got churning, thinking, Oh my goodness. All right. Well, it gets worse. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee king. This is what God is now saying to David. I anointed thee king over Israel. I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul. I gave thee thy master's house, thy master's wives into thy bosom. I gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah. And if that had been too little, if you wanted more, in other words, God said, if you wanted more, David, I would have moreover have given unto thee such and such things if you would ask them. Wherefore, as to say, why in the world, wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight. Thou hast killed Uriah, the Hittite, with the sword. Thou hast taken his wife to be thy wife. Thou hast slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. Listen, you put him up there on purpose. I know your heart. I know exactly what you did. There's nothing you can hide from me. That was your intent. You did exactly what you wanted to. Why did you despise? Notice he didn't say, why did you break it? God says, why did you despise it? And then he asked David, why did you despise me? Now therefore, the sword shall never depart from thy house because thou hast despised me, says God. You say, well, I'll never despise God. I hope that's the case. But by despising his commandments is a despising of God. The two are attached to one another. You say, I don't want God to tell me what to do. I just want him to save me eternally, but he has no authority over me I, would des I despise what he tells me to do, but I, but I will not despise him. Can't be done. Can't be done. Now, David then was given an affliction in his own house. 
God says, I am going to raise up evil from your own family against you. Now, his sin was serious. But I've committed serious sins too. Not, nothing like this. But I've committed serious sins against God. And you have too. I, I, I'm afraid uh, every one of us here have done things that we should not have done. Nobody here has done this. This is, this is a huge, huge sin, isn't it? That God, first thing he did was he took away the child. The child's going to die. He's not going to live. And I'm going to raise up an enemy from your own sons called Absalom. He's going to be, he's going to try to overthrow you. I'm going to raise you up evil in your own house. Now, you would think that the death of a child and the dread of another one coming up within my house would be the first thing, the biggest things on my mind. But let's go listen to David's prayer. All right? Let's listen to David's prayer. Let's see if David really repents. Let's see if David really repents. And we're going, to, we're going to bring this to a close, y'all. All right, let's go to the 51st Psalm. All right. And this, is, this psalm is a title to it. Now, this title was not added to the psalm. This is the original writings and the original title to the psalm. Psalm 51 is titled by David himself, put down in the, in the scriptures for us to read. To the chief musician, a psalm of David. When Nathan the prophet came unto him after he had gone into Bathsheba. Now you would think you would write, I'm going to write a song about I dread the day when my house raises up evil, or when the Lord raises up evil against me. I dread the losing of my child. <clears throat> These things I can't hardly fathom. But notice what is the most important thing to David. Have mercy on me was his call to God. And notice how he addresses. Have mercy on me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. According to thy loving kindness. David knew that this affliction was because of God's loving kindness to him. Now I say it's because. It wasn't, that wasn't the reason he had to have it. It was because of David's sin. He despised the commandment. He despised God. But David knew the affliction. He that observes these things, even he shall understand the loving kindness of God. All right. Have mercy on me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgression. Because that's all I feel. That's all I feel. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. And this sounds like repentance, don't it? Because it is. For I acknowledge my transgression openly before thee, O God. My sin is going to be forever before me. I'll never forget it. And against thee and against thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. That thou mightest be justified. And David is telling God that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and thou be clear when thou judgest. In other words, you're clear of your punishment to me. It is, you're justified of what you're doing to me. Because you spoke the words, the commandment was, do not kill, do not commit adultery, and I did them both. Did them both. Behold, I was shaped in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. And so that's what David says, and he's right. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward part. In the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. 
Now purge me with hyssop, he said, and I shall be clean. Wash me, I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness. Apparently David did not hear. That the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sin and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence. How, what a, what a, not, not a mention of a child losing its life, or you losing your child, not a mention of evil that God would bring up from another child. All of this was David's desire for the presence of God. Right? Cast me not away from thy presence. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Now listen. That can be construed as somebody not having been born again. David is, what, what is taken away from David is a spirit of peace that comes from the Spirit of God. So when God hides himself from you because of your iniquities, you feel it. David felt it. He wanted, he wanted the presence of God back in a refreshing way, right? Restore unto me the joy of salvation. Uphold me with thy free spirit. And then I'll teach transgressors the way. David is saying, once this is over, once I, get that, once I feel that presence, I'm going to teach others not to do this. I'm not going to tell them. I'm going to say, listen, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> it wasn't that bad. Y'all, uh, listen, God, when, God don't give a whole lot of uh, uh, bad things. It, it, it's worth the effort. You know, and I, I've told you here before, God does not tell us sometimes, he did in this case, after, afterwards, but he didn't tell David beforehand, listen, if you ever break these two commandments, I'm going to take your child away from you and I'm going to raise up evil in your house. God didn't tell him that. He just said, don't break it. God doesn't tell us what he's going to do to us, only that he will do something. And the reason why, again, is this, I think. We would evaluate it and see if it's worthwhile. We'd evaluate the punishment and say, if that's all he's going to do, then I'm going to continue on. God help us from doing something like that. Even thinking such things. God give us all the grace. All the grace to repent. To repent of our sins. You know what? I have to do it every day. Every day. And I pray God leads me to it. You know that repentance is a grace of God? The writer of that song got it right. True belief and true repent, repentance. Every grace that brings you nigh. Paul talked about great, uh, the repentance being from, the, from a godly sorrow. He says godly sorrow works for repentance unto salvation, not to be repented of. You don't have to repent of that repentance because it's a real one. It's a real one. It comes from God. David has it, doesn't he? And he saw that it was a part of God's what? Loving kindness. It was a part of God's loving kindness. Now, is David going to hell? Absolutely not. Some people say, he, well, he deserves it. Well, he may deserve it, but he is a... <laughs> let's listen to the 89th Psalm. Let's read a little bit there, and then we're going to finish up 107 very quickly. I'm not getting to the rest of it, apparently. And we'll see about next week. But if I don't get to it, and if I don't preach it next week, which I won't be here, it'll be, be uh, Brother Whitten. You read the rest of those Psalms. Psalm 107. All right, let's go to the 89th Psalm. Remember, the loving kindness of God is what's under consideration. <clears throat> concerning God's covenant, concerning the Lord Jesus Christ and God's covenant with Him, 
for us on our behalf. In the 27th verse of the 89th Psalm, God says, I will make him my firstborn higher than the kings of the earth. That's Christ. My mercy will I keep for him forever. My covenant shall stand fast with him. You're talking about loving kindness. This is loving. This is that mercy we talked about last week in action. His seed also will I make to endure forever. Remember, my mercy shall endure forever in the first chapter of, uh, of, 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 of the first verse of 107th chapter. His seed also will I make to endure forever. His throne as the days of heaven. That's, now, if his throne could be overthrown, then you and I can. If Christ can quit being the King and King and Lord of Lords, then there is a great uh, desperation for us that will never be in heaven. But as long as Christ is King, which is forever, then his seed will endure forever. And these are his people he died for. These are his elect. If his children forsake my law, he's not telling us to do it. If his children forsake my law and walk not in my judgments, if they break my commandments, or break my statutes and keep not my commandments. In other words, if they rebel against my word and they break them. God says, then will I visit their transgressions with a rod. It's coming. Their iniquities with stripes. But most, of, most folks will tell you, these people are going to hell. God says, no, they're not. They are not going to be lost from me. They will not... They will never fall away from this covenant because they are secure in Christ. The seed of Christ is in Christ, always been in Christ, chosen in Christ, given to Christ. Christ died for them, represented them, rose again from the dead from them, sitting at the right hand of God right now for them, and they will be His forever. But if they sin, I'm going to visit. Nevertheless, my loving kindness, notice that. Even though I visit them with rods and afflictions, with stripes, Nevertheless, my loving kindness will I not utterly take. Though it feels like it. And it felt like it to David so that he would write a psalm like, like Psalm 51. I will not utterly take from him nor suffer my faithfulness. God's faithfulness will not fail. Or sometimes does. God will not. I will not allow my faithfulness to fail. My covenant will I not break nor alter the things that's gone out of my lips. I'm going to bring it to pass. They're going to be my people. I'm taking them home to heaven someday. They are mine. Once I have sworn by my holiness that I will not lie unto David, his seed shall endure forever, and his throne will be as the sun before me. It will never lose its brightness and its glory. Now all because of loving kindness. My loving kindness I will not take from you. From the individual under the stripes, now, let's finish up 107 Psalm. Psalm 107. Again, whoso is wise will observe these things, even they shall understand the love and kindness of the Lord. Such as sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, being bound in affliction and iron, because they rebelled against the words of God and contemned the counsel of the Most High. Therefore, he brought down their heart with labor. They fell down, and there was none to help. But is that, is that where they stopped? Then they cried. This is their cry of repentance. These are people who under this affliction understand their need of God before anything else in this life. Then they cried. They cried like David did and says, I sinned against thee. They cried, blot out my transgression. It's ever before me. They cried, 
renewing me a clean heart and a right spirit within me. They cried, give me the joy of salvation. They cried, you know, kind of like George Bailey, right? Remember, I want to live again, God? Remember George Bailey saying that? I want to live again. That's kind of what they cry. I want to live again. Shall we not be sub subject to the Father of spirits and live? They cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of those distresses. He brought them out of the shadow of darkness, brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death. He broke and break their bands asunder. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and his wonderful works to the children of men. That, again, ought to bring out of everyone. If you have ever felt this and gone through it, and God has brought you out with a refreshing and a, and a, and a, and a lovely feeling of, of, of refreshing of the blood of Christ in your heart, and, and, and that distress is gone, praise God. Oh, that men would praise God for His wonderful works. You say, well, it didn't feel wonderful in the beginning. Well, it, this, you could have avoided it. I could have avoided it. I want you to understand, this does not, God is not instructing us to go through things that we can avoid. The stripes can be avoided. The rod can be avoided. But if, and God forbid, but if we through rebellion and contempt for God and you're brought down, and God refreshes you, praise God for it. It is an act of loving kindness. It shows His faithfulness will not fail for you. <laughs> Repent from it. Don't continue in it. Because that would bring us on to another subject. Cry to God. Admit your sins. Don't repeat them. Because, then we bring, because it brings us to the next clause of sinners. You know how He addresses the next one? Fools. Fools through their transgressions. Because once you feel it, and you go back to it again, it's this foolish. Done it before. It's, it's, it's a fool's error to try to think that God will not notice my rebellion against Him. May God give us all the grace to, to serve Him, to praise Him for His goodness, to understand His love and kindness, and it be an act or a reason as to why we praise God together in the assembly, in the congregation, in the, in the habitation of God, this place called the church, that our Lord built for Himself, for His own glory, and for our good and our profit. May the Lord bless you.